0: You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Thursday show for you. We are finally going to get around to talking a little bit about the NFL draft. I've literally teased it, I think, in every Sports Daily this week and then I never get around to it. We are going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about an interesting take that I heard in regards to NFL quarterbacks that when I dug deeper into it, you're kind of like, yeah, that's right. We're going to look at the Warriors-Lakers series from a ratings perspective. Shocker, it's through the roof. I have an answer for you in regards to the NHL playoffs this season about road teams versus home teams. It's pretty much what I expected. And we're going to talk a little bit more NBA stuff and get into uh, you know the one game last night, Boston and Philly, and then the one, uh, the two NHL games last night as well in the playoffs. And we'll get to that momentarily. So let's start out. In the NBA playoffs, tonight, Warriors-Lakers game two. Warriors obviously need this game to tie it up at one and go back to L.A. this weekend. Saturday and Monday are games three and four. And clearly, you don't want to go down 2-0 having lost both of those games on your home court. So the Warriors definitely need to win tonight. And I can guarantee you, It's the only game on tonight, at least in the NBA playoffs, two NHL games. But it's the biggest game tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. The first game, game one, Tuesday night, Lakers Warriors averaged 7.4 million viewers on TNT. It peaked at 8 million between 11 and 11.15 Eastern time. It is the most watched conference semifinal game one in the history, history of cable TV, and the most watched conference semifinal game on TNT since the Lakers and OKC in 2012. 7.4 million. Miami Knicks, the game that was on before that, 4.7 million. I mean, the Laker Warrior game almost doubled nicks heat which isn't surprising and that no it had nothing to do with jimmy butler not playing this is a network's wet dream lakers warriors it just is lebron steph warriors are is their dynasty about to be done or is it going to continue steph and lebron both have four titles the winner of this series goes on to face probably the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, and still has an opportunity this season to win their fifth NBA championship. I mean, this is this is what ratings are made of: seven point four million for a game one on TNT on a Tuesday in a conference semifinal. I can only imagine what the number is going to be if this game go if this series goes seven. You know. It'll be more than 7.4, I'll tell you that much. But I know Saturday is Game 3 in L.A., and Game 4 is Monday in L.A. Not sure when Game 5 is. I don't know if they're going every other day, because Phoenix and Denver have three days off between Game 2 and Game 3. They played Game 2 on Monday night. They play Game 3 tomorrow. So I don't know what the series is for Lakers-Warriors after Game 4. It's probably out there. I just haven't seen it. And I the interesting thing about this series, and I told you it yesterday, but there's two completely different teams. Warriors shoot threes, Lakers don't. Lakers give up a lot of th- a lot of threes. Warriors have no inside game. Not not much of an inside game. Lakers do. Lakers are much bigger than the Warriors. But big doesn't always win. I think the biggest key to this series honestly is the refs. Because if the refs call a tight game and they call a lot of fouls, the Lakers are just going to parade to the free throw line. And that's what happened in game one. And anytime the Lakers can get to the free throw line, it slows the game down. And that's not what the Warriors want. The Warriors want to push the tempo. And if they're constantly being stopped because they have to take free throws for the other team, that doesn't help them. But if the referees let them play a little free and loose, yes, the Lakers are going to get to the line. It's not like the refs are going to call no fouls. I'm just saying it was, it was completely lopsided in Game 1. Did you see the free throw numbers in Game 1? The Lakers were 25 of 29 from the line in Game 1. You know what the Warriors were? Five for six. Now, it's the way they play. We all know Golden State's a jump shooting team. They're not going to go to the line very much unless they're fouled on a bunch of jump shots, which will happen on occasion. But when the Lakers are pounding it inside, yeah, you gotta foul those guys. You gotta send Jared Vanderbilt to the line if he's going up for an easy layup. Foul him. Make him earn it. Same with AD. Not every time, but then they'll get in foul trouble. But twenty five of twenty nine from the line, that played right into the Lakers' hands. So I expect tonight, one, the Warriors are gonna get more calls, and two, the Lakers aren't gonna get as many. You can talk about fixes and Referees that are on the take all you want. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the referees work for the NBA. They know what is at stake here. Look, if the Lakers come out and shoot 65%, there's nothing the referees can do to make Golden State win the game. But the referees know exactly what they need to do to keep a team in the game. You know what I'm saying? And the thing that's different from this series... But one of the things that's different from this series for Golden State versus Sacramento and now versus the Lakers is you saw what happened in the Golden State Sacramento series. When especially in the Sunday game where Steph dropped 50. You got up in his face, he would drive right around you and get to the and get to the hoop. How many layups did Steph have in that in that game on Sunday when he had his 50? I counted five or six. That's not happening in the Lakers series because if Steph got, gets by his man whether it's Dennis Schroeder or Jared Vanderbilt whoever's guarding him on any sort of switch Steph can get by anybody he wants. However, the Lakers have trees sitting there at the rim. Sacramento didn't. Sacramento had Sabonis. They didn't have anybody that was going to put the fear of God into you when you went to the when you went to the hoop because they could block your shot. Now you have to worry about Anthony Davis Coming off his man and just sliding over and blocking your shot—that's the difference. That st- the the issue that Steph's going to have this series is if he gets by his man, he's not going to have a free lane to the layup. <laughs> a free <laughs> uh, a free lane to getting a layup—it's just not going to happen unless the Lakers completely fall apart on their rotation or they're not—they're being lazy or they're a step slow. It didn't happen in game one. How many easy layups did Steph have in game one? I don't remember any. He might have had one. But that's the difference. So now when Steph drives, he's got to look to pass. Whereas the Sacramento series, he could score off of a drive. Now he has to look to see, all right, Anthony in a split second, Anthony Davis is coming over to block my shot. Now I gotta find who was guarding who he was guarding so I can give him the ball, because he's seemingly open or just throw it back over his head to somebody out of the three-point line? Because if Anthony Davis slides over after Steph beats his man, somebody's open. It's just a matter of finding him. But it all has to be done in a split second. And then what if the Lakers rotate well? And that's why this is such a chess match between between game one and game two. It's what adjustments is Golden State going to make tonight to combat what the Lakers are doing defensively? And what the Lakers are doing defensively, if you didn't notice in game one, is they are sagging off Draymond and they are sagging off Kevon Looney. When both of them are on the court, Golden State is essentially playing three on five offensively, whether it's Wiggins, Clay, and Steph, or Steph, Clay, and Poole, or Clay, Poole, and Steph. I might have said that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Because Draymond is not a factor offensively, he just isn't. He's scoring on rolls to the baskets and offensive rebounds. They're not running any plays for Kevon Looney. He's scoring, same thing, on rolls to the basket and offensive rebounds. So the Lakers can sit back and sag off those guys. That's why the middle of the paint is not going to be open for the Warriors this series, unless they do something drastic, which if you're Steve Kerr, offensively, you might have to put four people out there that can score and only play Draymond and Looney one at a time. Because you have them both out on the floor on the same time, you're playing three on five offensively. If you only have one, then you're playing four on five. Then it becomes a little bit more difficult for the Lakers to guard four guys on the other team's offense with five defenders. Ideally, you want five guys on the floor that can all score and can all shoot. But not every team has that. And the Warriors haven't had that. Draymond has never been a scorer, yet they've won four the last – eight titles. So clearly they can get by with it. But in this series, when the Lakers have so many big men down there, I'm curious to see how the Golden State combats this tonight. You'll see. My guess is you will not see Draymond and Kevon Looney on the floor at the same time very often. I think they're going to try and split them up because they realize they're going three on five offensively when both of those guys are on the court. And it's just... Lakers can be like, look, if Draymond happens to score an offensive rebound, fine. If Kevon Looney happens to score off of a roll or an offensive rebound, that's fine. Our goal is we know they have three guys that can beat us. We have to make sure that those guys don't go off. And when you got five guys to defend them, it makes it a little bit easier. So it's going to be a hell of a chess match, hell of a game two tonight. Looking forward to it. It'll be 9 o'clock On was it? Did I say ESPN or is it TNT tonight? It is um, ESPN. Yeah, Thursday night, ESPN. Nine Eastern, eight Central, seven Mountain, six Pacific. Remember how I told you after um, thirty-five games of the NHL playoffs, we we were like game four, game five of all the first-round series. There had been 35 games played, and the road team had won 21 of them, and the home team had only won 14. Well, now, going into last night, I'm not counting last night's two games, going into last night, there had been exactly 50 road games played in the NHL playoffs. The road team was 31-19, and and then they won both road games. Both road teams won on Tuesday night, which was – Florida and um who who beat the stars? <laughs> uh Seattle. So thirty-three and nineteen through fifty two games. That got evened out. Uh well the the two home teams won last night. So thirty-three and twenty one through fifty four games, thirty-three games have won by been run won by the road team, twenty one by the home team. That's still an unbelievable amount. What is that? Over uh it's over 60%. So, again, you kind of flip a coin, throw home teams out the window. It doesn't matter where the game's played. Do you know the Seattle Kraken are 4-0 on the road in the playoffs? They even lost. They won all three road games in the first round against Colorado. All three games in Colorado, Seattle won. But yet they went 1-2 and two on their home ice. But 3 plus 1 is 4, and that's how they won the series. And then they win game one in Dallas. They are 4-0 on the road. And then if you look at the Seattle Kraken season. They had 12 more points on the road than they did at home. So they are a better road team. They showed it all season over 82 games. Better road team than home ice. Dallas was pretty easy. They had um, Dallas was pretty even. They had two more road points than they did home points. So they're just as good on the road. So. Obviously, Dallas doesn't want to fall behind 2-0, but they can easily win on the road in, the, in hockey and in Seattle. Not easily. They're not, I'm not saying they're easily going to win, but they can win because they play well on the road, and Seattle was not a great home team for 82 games. So ideally, the Stars want to win tonight. And get back the, the game that they lost on Monday and just go back to Seattle C- on Tuesday and go back to Seattle 1-1. That's what you want after dropping one at home. You gotta win the second one. And then you just have to win a road game and the rest of your home games and you win the series. They lost game one to Minnesota at home in overtime and then won four the next five. Hopefully that happens again. But wow, thirty-three and twenty-one are the road teams in the NHL playoffs this year. Doesn't pay to play on your home ice, apparently. All right, let's end this with the NFL draft. Starting with, we're going to go through all 32 teams right now and give them a grade. No, I'm kidding. What were some of the takeaways from the NFL draft? Well, Will Levis had like 16 different girls on his arm at some point during the draft. On day one, he never got picked, didn't show up for day two, which I'm fine with. But he ended up being the second pick in round two, going to the Tennessee Titans, who took a quarterback in the third round last year Malik Willis out of Liberty. So, yeah. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, Will Levis, all quarterbacks on the Tennessee Titans roster. I couldn't even tell you who's going to start when the season opens in September. That was probably the biggest story, the drop of Will Levis. Second biggest story, probably the fact that the Georgia Bulldogs are basically infiltrating the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles now have six Georgia Bulldogs they've drafted, or they've either drafted or traded for in the last two years. And you'd be like, Well, it's not a bad thing. No, it isn't. The Georgia Bulldogs were back-to-back college football national champions. So you're taking from the best team in college football. Nothing wrong with that. Here's something that was brought up when they were talking about Will Levis's drop. And I I don't know if you've seen Will Levis. He's got like, I don't know the exact amount, but you look at him, he's got like 3% body fat. The guy is chiseled. And somebody was bringing this up in conversation. I can't remember where I heard it. It was either on a radio show or maybe it was on a podcast or maybe I even read it in an article. And what they were saying was, "Have you noticed that the best quarterbacks in the NFL throughout history of the league are dudes that look like me and you. Are dudes that have dad bods." I mean, just go down the list. We're not talking about guys that, because of Will Levis being ripped, they're like, how many ripped quarterbacks have done really well in the NFL? Tom Brady's not ripped. Aaron Rodgers isn't ripped. Peyton Manning wasn't ripped. Eli Manning wasn't ripped. I mean, Josh Allen, while he's a big guy, certainly isn't ripped. He's strong, but he's not chiseled. Does Joe Burrow strike the fear of God into you when you see him without a shirt on? No. I mean. Brett Favre? Was he ripped? No. It's just amazing. Quarterbacks don't have to have this crazy body. They never have. I mean, I just I just reeled off what, eight? Ben Roethlisberger, Was he ripped? No, big guy, strong, but certainly wasn't muscular. I mean, he just <laughs> Andrew Luck. No. I'm just thinking of anybody that was been good in the last, I don't know, 15 years. Russell Wilson, I mean, if you're going on the grading bodies, probably the most in shape of those. He's got and he, and he's won a Super Bowl. But we're talking about people that look like Will Levis. Has anybody that looks like Will Levis, that is shredded like that, and 3% body fat, and eats weird stuff, have they ever been a dominant NFL quarterback? I can't think of one. It's all guys that are just average looking. The greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, Tom Brady. <laughs> he's n- he's His body is not some sort of specimen you're going to send to the Smithsonian. Who's arguably into the second greatest quarterback of all time? Joe Montana. Anything muscular about him? Steve Young? No. <laughs> Jim Kelly took a team to four Super Bowls? No. I, it's, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. Why aren't quarterbacks ripped? Why aren't quarterbacks have the body of Adonis? I don't know the answer. All we do know is the ones that are good don't have bodies like that. I mean, the best quarterbacks right now, Justin Herbert's in good shape. I guess of the ones right now, he probably looks the best physically. He still doesn't even want a playoff game. <laughs> like as, as great as we think he is, Threw for 5,000 yards in his first season in the league. As great as we think Justin Herbert is, he still doesn't want a playoff game. So we got to tap the brakes a little bit on him. Trevor Lawrence, okay, he's got one playoff win under his belt. He's only been in the league two years. Um, A little more in shape, a little more toned than the other ones. Patrick Mahomes, does he jump out to you? Does his body look like... He was chiseled from stone? No. So that's what I mean. Just Someone brought that up. I was like, well, I never really thought of it that way. And you think, oh, wow, quarterback, leader of the team, got to be built, big, strong man. No. <laughs> They're all average-looking dudes. I mean, Peyton and Eli, my gosh, you ever seen them without their shirts on? I think they both went shirtless at some sort of skit in SNL when they hosted I mean, they, they look like – they you the, the definition of dad bod is Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, and they have four Super Bowls between them. Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls, <laughs> and his body nothing to write home about. Just really, really crazy to think. So it's not to say that Will Levis is going to suck, but him being impressive in the way he looks – in an Under Armour shirt has no bearing on how he's going to play when he eventually gets a starting role in the NFL thank you all for listening really appreciate it please rate, subscribe and review in Apple Podcasts much appreciated also pass this podcast along to anybody you know let them know about it it's been great getting a feedback and if you can leave a five star review leave a nice comment if you please I'd really appreciate it so Thank you all for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.